And so today we're going to continue our series uh, on resolution, and uh, we're going to open up Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. The last two weeks we've talked about cultivating an intimate relationship with the Lord, and today we're going to kind of shift just a little bit, and we're going to talk about how that out of that relationship with Christ, uh, we can actually begin to respond to the invitation of the Lord and begin to do God's will in our life, that we can begin to work with the Lord. And I made the statement last week that uh, God's invitation to join Him uh, is, is not about you working for God, it's about you working with God. Uh, how many of you understand that the Scripture actually says that God is always at work? That's what Jesus said about His Father. He said, my Father is always at work, and God is working, amen? Uh, God is working in your life, God is working in my life, God is working the lives of people right now that are so far away from Him, He's not even in their thoughts, but God is thinking about them, amen? And what an awesome opportunity it is that when we begin to do the will of God, what we're actually doing is we are coming alongside the Lord and we are working with God to accomplish His will. We're working with Him uh, to see His plans, His purposes, and His vision accomplished in the lives of individuals. And what a joy that is when we get to work with God. Amen? And you're going to find out, if you haven't already, that one of the greatest joys in life is seeing God work through you to do things that only God could do. And you walk away and you know, man, that was nothing but Jesus. That was Him uh, and all Him and none of me. And it was amazing. And so we're going to kind of talk about how do we take that transition today from knowing to beginning to do the will of God and walk uh, with God and begin to work with Him. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 is an end time uh, scripture, uh, but there's a great uh, principle of truth at the end of this verse. The Bible says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong. That word strong there is literally interpreted resolved and they will do exploits. The people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Let's look at our first uh, point on your outline this morning. We said a resolution is more than a wish. Uh, it is a firm decision to act. Uh, it is the quality of being determined or resolute. And we just put in parentheses there, unshakable, uh, unwavering, and unmovable. I believe that we are now a generation uh, that is desperately in need for some resolute Christians. I believe our world is looking for Christians that are unwavering, unmovable, unshakable. Individuals that stand for what they believe in spite of unfavorable circumstances, in spite of any and everything that may happen or come against us. And so I want to encourage you this morning, as we, as we resolve in our hearts together uh, that we're going to serve the Lord, we're going to know God, and we're going to do His will. I want you to understand the significance of that. Our world desperately needs to see Christians. Amen? More than we need to hear about them, we need to experience the life of Christ uh, that comes through people like me and you just living uh, on purpose for Jesus. So we ask the question, what if? What if we worked? Uh, I mean, what if we resolved to know God and to do His will? What if we grasp the spiritual law of intimacy and refuse to be moved away. And we said the law of intimacy is, is simply this, intimacy with God produces life. Uh, John 6, 63, I believe they've got it there on the screen. Jesus said, it is the spirit that gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit 
and they are life. So the law of intimacy simply says this, that intimacy with God produces life, and that the more that I know Him, Daniel 11 said, I will be strong and do exploits. And so we said the key to doing is knowing. The only way you're going to have the resolve in your heart to stand, to be unshakable, to be unwavering, to be unmovable, is you've got to know in whom you believe. You've got to know God. You've got to have a real, genuine relationship with Him. How many of you understand that the, the, the fire of adversity and trial and temptation reveals the integrity of our hearts? Uh, you don't know who you are until you've been tried. You don't know who you are until you've been tested. You don't really know what you believe until there has been a crisis of belief where you are required to stand in the face of opposition in order to stay true to what God has called you to do. And it is in the fire of adversity uh, that the genuineness of our faith, the Bible tells us in the book of James, is revealed. And all of a sudden, there is a reality that I am who I say I am uh, because He is, amen, who He says He is. And out of a relationship with Christ, uh, my life is changed. So we said the secret to doing the will of God is simply knowing God intimately. Now, last week I shared with you the three eyes of intimacy, and we're going to just revisit them quickly this morning. We said, number one, we must invest time at the feet of Jesus. If you're going to have a, a life-giving relationship with God, you're going to have to invest time at the feet of Jesus. You need to set time, a set place, a strategic plan. We're going to have to invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of every area of our lives uh, because without the empowering and the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, we're just dead in the water. Uh, we are just religious nuts uh, without any real spiritual fruit if we don't have the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I don't want to be a religious nut, amen? Uh, I want to produce spiritual fruit for the glory of God, and that happens through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. See, when you live a Christian life, quote, Christian life, apart from the empowering of the Holy Spirit, uh, then your life lacks the supernatural life of God. Uh, it lacks the wisdom of God. It lacks the direction of God. It lacks the insight of God. It lacks the vision of the Lord. And so it is through inviting the Holy Spirit to be a part of every area of my life that every area of my life becomes alive with who He is. And all of a sudden there's insight and there's understanding and there's discernment and there's direction and there's an ability and empowerment to do what God has called me to do. And the last I is that we said we have to respond to the invitation. The invitation of the Lord. Go back to there if we can. Let's back up one more time. We have to respond to the invitation of the Lord. And we said that this is the bridge that takes us from knowing God into a place where we begin to do God's will. Now let's get uh, to the meat of where we want to go today. Let's go ahead and look at that next screen. I want to give you a thought this morning, I believe to be an insight into understanding the invitation of the Lord. I believe that God's invitations usually come in the form of an interruption. God's invitations usually come in the form of an interruption. God wants to interrupt your life. There are what I'm going to call today holy interruptions. And it is through those holy interruptions that God invites us to be a part of what He is doing. He invites us 
to come alongside him. But here, here is the challenge. Uh, you and I have to be willing to turn aside to see what God is saying if we are going to do what God is doing. Let's look in Exodus chapter 3. It's the story of Moses. Uh, Moses has been now 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, he tried to deliver Egypt on his own power and realized, hey, it's not going to work. Uh, and he fled for his life. He ends up getting married, having a family, and he is now tending the flock of his father, his, his, uh, the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, who's a priest of Midian. And the Bible says now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Look at the next verse. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Verse 3 says, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Verse 4, And the Bible says, And when the Lord God saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Let's leave it right there for just a second, then we're going to go back uh, to the point that we just uh, left from. The Bible says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside. See, I believe that invitations come in the form of interruptions. See, we all get up every day, usually with more things on our plate than we can accomplish in that day. The demands of life are overwhelming. It is amazing how many things we have bought to simplify our lives that actually complicate our lives, right? And uh, I mean, now, not everything, but it, it is amazing how that now uh, you, you can never escape. I, I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago, and they said, man, do you remember before cell phones when you actually got in the car and nobody could call you? And nobody could text you, and you could just drive for hours, totally uninterrupted. Well, that day is gone, right? <laughs> right? You, you don't answer your phone in the first 30 seconds that somebody calls you, and they're putting out a all points bulletin, thinking something traumatic must have happened. They're not answering their cell phone, right? They have probably died. They're not answering their cell phone. And, and so, but we, we live very hectic, very busy, very full lives. Our lives are filled. And if you're like me, you live by a calendar. I have a schedule of events. I have a calendar by which I live my life. I know where I'm supposed to be because my Google calendar tells me that's where I'm supposed to be and who I'm supposed to talk to and who I'm supposed to meet with and what I'm supposed to be thinking about during that next hour and a half. And so we live very, very full lives. Now let me just interject a thought real quick. I believe that order is essential to what God wants to do in your life. We need order. The Bible says let everything be done decently in order and that our God is a God of order. Amen. And I'm convinced, I know in my own life, that, uh, that what most people really need is more biblical order uh, in order to produce greater fruit in their life. Because if you don't have some kind of order, you're going to squander your time on things that do not matter. 
Have you ever lost an hour? Have you ever lost a couple hours in a day and found out, man, you were just thumbing through Facebook, and man, I mean, an hour done went by, or you were just scanning through junk email, or you were just surfing the web, following all the latest little click ad that just popped. Oh, yeah, I was wondering about that. Oh, I was thinking about it. And you you done spent an hour, two, three hours of your time, and it's just useless. I mean, you've accomplished nothing other than you spent some time. And so I believe we need order. But in the midst of order, we always have to be open to the interruptions of the Lord. Moses was doing what Moses was supposed to do. He was taking the flock because he was a shepherd to the backside of the desert in order to graze. And on his journey to the place that he was supposed to go, doing exactly what his Google calendar told him he was supposed to do that day, he found himself observing an unusual sight. And there was a bush that burned. That was not necessarily unusual in the desert because bushes would burn. But it never consumed and so Moses sees this bush that's burning that's never consumed and and the Bible says that he turns aside to see he turns aside to see and how many of you know that in your life sometimes the world calls them coincidence how many of you know if you're a Christian there's no such thing How many know that there are times in your life when you're just chugging along and you're working the schedule and you're doing the next thing on your list that you got to do and all of a sudden there is something that happens that is just not a coincidence and all of a sudden there's these little connecting of dots and these course of events and, and all of a sudden there is an opportunity for interruption. There is a there is an a, a opportunity for you to stop what you're doing, even though it's the next, next thing on your list, and turn aside to see what God would say. The Bible says there in verse 4 that when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. God never spoke. Till Moses turned aside to see. Now let's go back to that point we just talked about. Because I, I want you to see something. I, I want you to understand that most of God's invitations come in the form of an interruption. God gives you an opportunity to engage in something that was not previously planned in your mind that is really, in many cases, an invitation from heaven to come alongside God and be a part of the work of His kingdom. But this is what has to happen. The first thing that has to happen is that we have to turn aside, number one, to see what God is saying. Moses did not turn aside, see the fiery bush, and say, hey, I think I'm going to go back to Egypt, and I'm going to bring ten plagues, and I'm going to cross the Red Sea with my rod, and I'm going to destroy all the firstborn in Egypt. That's not what Moses did. All of those things never entered Moses' mind. You know what Moses did? Moses turned aside to see what God would say. And that is the first step of a holy interruption. When God interrupts your day and something happens out of the ordinary that you think, man, there might be something going on here that I need to to inquire a little bit further about. We need to turn aside and see what God says. 
Because it is when you turn aside to see what God says that God spoke to Moses and he gave Moses instruction and direction for his life. And it was out of hearing the voice of God, not seeing a bush. So you don't go back to Egypt because you saw a burning bush. You go back to Egypt because you got clear direction from God. See, a lot of times, amen, a lot of times people have these preconceived ideas of how they want to serve God. And God, I want to do this for you. And God, I want to do that for you. And God, I want to do this for you. And, and whenever they see a burning bush, they automatically assume the burning bush is God's green light for them to go and do what they planned in their heart they wanted to do for God. And I can't tell you how many people got married because they saw a burning bush. And I can't tell you how many times I walked through a divorce with them because they saw a burning bush. We don't follow burning bushes. When we see a burning bush, we should turn aside to see what God says. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they Follow me. We don't follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow us. And many Christians are missing the will of God because they're following the burning bush instead of letting the interruption be an invitation to hear what God is saying. And so Moses turned aside. When God saw Moses turn aside, God spoke to Moses and Moses responded not to a bush but to the voice of God bushes will deceive you <laughs> oh I had a sign who cares what did God say what did God say what did God say? See, because when you make up your mind you want to do something, you can find a burning bush anywhere. It's like the lady that was losing weight, right? And she, she had made a commitment she was going to lose 20 pounds, and one of her biggest weaknesses was donuts. And so every day on her way to work, she drove by the donut store. So she prayed that morning, God, if you want me to have donuts, let there be a parking spot right up front in front of the door and she said and you know what the tenth time around the building there it was there it was doesn't that sound like us sometimes we want to do something so bad that we create our own burning bush the bush is an interruption to an invitation to hear what God is saying. Never follow a bush. Follow the voice of God. And that tin rattling, that's not God. That's a distracting bush. Right? All right. We keep trying to fix that rattling tin, Curtis, don't we? All right. So, <laughs> y'all with me? All right, so let me give you a couple thoughts. I got six minutes. Y'all listen quickly. Y'all good? All right, here we go. 
Not every interruption is an invitation. Many times they're distractions. Not every interruption is an invitation from God. Many times they are distractions. How do we discern the difference? Let me tell you what uh, part of the, one of the, Brother Curtis has shared a lot of great things with me. One of the greatest things he shared with me years ago when I came on full time at the church, he said, you've got to beware, Keith, of time robbers. He said, because there are going to be people that are just going to want your time. And they're not going anywhere, and they're not accomplishing anything, and they're not doing anything, and they really don't want to change. They just want your time. you got to guard yourself of time robbers. I heard years ago a pastor made this statement. He said, when God wants to bless you, he sends somebody into your life. When the devil wants to curse you, he sends somebody into your life. So you have to discern. Not every burning bush is an invitation from God. Not every burning bush is a holy interruption. Sometimes they're demonic distractions to keep you from doing what God has already told you to do. Let me, let me, just, let me just say that if God's already told you to do something, then until you get it done, you don't need another voice. You don't need another voice. And many times we start looking, and looking for bushes because doing what God called us to do is sometimes hard and sometimes it don't happen as quick as we thought it would happen and sometimes it doesn't accomplish as much as we thought it would accomplish and sometimes it costs us more than we really thought we wanted to pay. But until you do what God tells you to do, don't look, you don't need a bush. You don't even need a voice. Just do what God has called you to do because usually it is distracting bushes that want to disrupt what God has called you to do. You remember when Nehemiah was building a wall? Santa Bollet and all the enemies, they, they kept sending messengers to Nehemiah and said, hey, let's meet and talk about what's going on. You know what Nehemiah said? I ain't got time to talk i got to build a wall. See, you, you need to learn. Y'all seen that little YouTube video? I ain't got time for that. Well, you need to learn how to say that. I ain't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? I, I ain't got time. Come on, Jesus. I ain't got time for that. Because not every interruption is a holy interruption. So how do you discern the difference? Let me give it to you real quick. Three things, three keys. Holy interruptions connect us to our purpose, they connect us to the harvest, and they advance the kingdom of God. Holy interruptions connect you to your purpose. What's God already called you to do? What has God already confirmed in your heart that He wants you to do? When there's a holy interruption, that interruption is an invitation from God to move towards your purpose. Let me just tell you a great, a great revelation this morning. God has not changed His mind. If God really called you to do something, then God has not changed His mind. So anything that distracts you from the purpose God has already clearly called you to do is not a holy interruption. It is a demonic distraction that you need to say, I ain't got time for that. And just press on. Holy interruptions connect you to your purpose. Holy interruptions connect you to the harvest. It is opportunities for souls to be saved and lives to be changed. 
Let me tell you what I'll stop everything for. I'll stop every meeting I got for somebody that wants to get saved. <laughs> I'll cancel on anybody because somebody really wants to know who Jesus is. Man, we'll just shut it all down. Why? Because that's a holy interruption. That's worth your time. That's worth stopping anything you got going on so somebody can get born again and experience the life of God. Let's just shut it down and pursue those souls. Amen? Holy interruptions connect you to your purpose. They connect you to the harvest. And they advance the kingdom of God. Demonic distractions rob you of time, rob you of purpose, rob you of potential, and they just rob you of everything that God intended to be done in your life. And how many know that when you lose a day, you've lost it? So we've got to be, we have to, the Bible says we have to redeem the time because the days are evil. So anytime you're confronted with an interruption that fulfills God's purpose, that connects you to the harvest, or that advances the kingdom of God, that's a good thing. Put everything else on pause and engage. Reschedule that appointment to do this. Cancel the vacation because I'm going to Africa. Holy interruptions. All right, let me give you our last thought. Y'all are doing really good. It's 11 o'clock. Y'all are well. Last thought right here. If you reject, and there's a bunch of scripture, y'all can go home and read all that, right? We'll do a test next Sunday, see if you actually did. All right, if you reject the interruption, you reject the invitation. If you reject the interruption, if you're not willing to turn aside to see what God says, when you reject that interruption, you automatically reject the invitation to work with God. And I want to give you this last thought. The only way to experience the will of God is to be willing to be interrupted by God. God interrupted Moses' shepherding career in order to bring deliverance to a nation. God interrupted Paul's religious career in order to bring nations to God. I'm going to give you the last scripture. We're going to read these. Luke chapter 1. It's the story of the Virgin Mary. You talk about an interruption. How many virgins you know that plan on staying virgins, but yet they're going to get pregnant? Virgins don't plan on getting pregnant, at least not while they're guarding their virginity. And none of them plan on getting pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And none of them plan on having the Son of God. But Mary was engaged to be married. I mean, and I can say I got two girls, and I can just, I can just hear... I can hear the wedding planning going. I mean, Mary Mary been dreaming about this her whole life. She finally meets Mr. Wright. His name is Joseph. He's a carpenter. He's an entrepreneur. He's got his own business. He's done got him a house built. And it's going to be a good life. We're going to have 3.5 kids and we're going to enjoy ourselves, right? She got it all planned out in her head. The engagement's on. She got the big ring, the rock on her finger, right? The wedding date's coming. Doing all the planning, all the preparation. All of a sudden, an angel 
from God. The Bible says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I'm sure when he said that, she thought, He's going to pay for my wedding. I got favor with God. He's going to write a check. Man, isn't that awesome? He says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One which is to be born will be called the Son of God. Look at the next verse. He says, and indeed Elizabeth, your relative, also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Look at the last verse, verse 38. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. You know what she just did? She accepted the invitation. Now we read this story and we just automatically assume Mary didn't have a choice. I believe she did. I believe Mary could have said, oh, you done found the wrong woman. Go find another virgin. I got all this planned out in Joseph. I mean, he ain't going to like the idea of me being pregnant by God. Just go get you another virgin. But she didn't say that. She did not reject the interruption. How many of you know that Mary, see, we call her the Virgin Mary, and we call her holy and we call her blessed and highly favored all of her friends called her some really not nice names oh yeah mary says she's pregnant by god you know what she is she's a and she's a and she's a and i can't believe joseph's even gonna go ahead and marry her what's wrong with him he done lost his mind being pregnant outside of marriage was not a real common thing in their day by the way Totally interrupted her life. Totally interrupted her plans. Totally interrupted her vision for her future. But she received it. And said, be it unto me according to your word. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to ask our prayer team to come. I want you just to bow your heads for a moment. Give me about three more minutes and we're going to wrap this thing up. I want to ask you today, where are you this morning? Where are you in the story of Moses? Where are you in the story of Mary? Have you refused the interruption? See, there's some of you right now, you're battling with, with your salvation. God's been calling you to Him. And you've been thinking, well, God, you know, if I get saved, start going to church, living for you, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore, and probably not going to be able to hang out with that person anymore. And God, that's just going to mess everything up. You know, I've kind of got it all together.
finally figuring this life out, God, and now you're going to throw this kink in it and it's going to change everything. I want to tell you today, today what you need more than anything is to turn aside and see the Lord. To come to Him. To respond to God's invitation. The Holy Spirit is drawing you today. He is calling you today. And He's saying, just come. Whosoever will, just come. So if you're here today...